When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Medcalf, let's do this. We will, David, and we'll start here. Goes to the pitch, hammered to left. Deep down the line and gone. A two-run blast for Mitch Garver. Yeah, much needed. Um... You know, just trying to establish a little bit of something here as we head into our last week before break. And, you know, the guys responded. I think there was a lot of uh, encouraging signs um, from nice starts from the rotation. Um, some bats that contributed, really. Everybody that got a chance somewhere along the way the last four days contributed. All right, Myron, let's start here. Let's start. We So Mackie and I completed our show. Uh, the Twins had beaten Baltimore on Thursday in the first of four games, and uh, we completed our show at 1 p.m. on uh, Friday and left for the weekend. And then the Twins won on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I want to start here because I feel like I feel like since we got done with our show, what we've heard is <laughs> the Twins <laughs> swept the Orioles. This is so great. Look at the Twins. This is you don't understand. Baltimore's not that bad a team. Myron, this is a this is a tough Orioles team. All right, you outscored just quickly here. Just some facts, some facts to try to put things into context because I feel like the sports fan in this town gets treated like they're about. Four years old and gets treated like an imbecile. The Twins outscored the Baltimore Orioles 26 to 9. And now this is a Baltimore Orioles team that is now, after the weekend being swept, 24 and 65, 37 games Oof. back in the American League. 37 yeah. games back. The Minnesota Twins are now going to get the Kansas City Royals for the next three. <laughs> the Royals are 25 and 64, 24 and a half games back. According to fan graphs, the uh, Twins, as of this morning, have a 1.1% chance to make the playoffs. They are 39-48. and 48. They should win seven consecutive games. It should mean almost nothing when you consider that they went 1-9 and nine against the White Sox, Cubs, and your Brewers when it mattered. Yeah. In other words, folks, and I understand a lot of you probably watch most of the coverage and think this is BS, yeah. but if you don't, Get your head on straight. The Twins should win seven consecutive, and it doesn't matter when it mattered. They lost. They are not a good baseball team in Baltimore, Kansas City. <laughs> Myron Harrigan and I could put together a team, and I'm an awful athlete, and we might beat them. <laughs> we, might have, we might have a chance. I, I mean, I think I can understand being excited for winning for a change, but you're right. It, it doesn't really do anything or prove any point. It reminds me, I'm an old school wrestling fan. Remember when you could be like the world intercontinental television Super U.S. champion, right? And you had a belt. Nobody knew what it meant, yep. but it was a belt. I mean, that's kind of how it feels. You beat the Orioles, and if you beat the Royals, you should sweep the Royals as well. 
The biggest thing is overall, this has been a disappointment, right? Overall, this has not been something where anybody who has been a fan of this team can say, you know what? They're doing what we expected. We're excited about where they're headed. There's nothing of that. Uh, even if you get a, a little burst of excitement off of what they did to a horrible Baltimore team and what they'll probably do to a horrible Kansas City team, the bottom line is people expected much, much more. And so far, it's been a major disappointment. How did they? Where did they go from here? I mean, I guess that's my they biggest trade. question. You got to trade. They just now. make trades. You got to trade. And you are not going to get because the American League is filled with so many bad teams. You're yeah. not going to get back what you expect, but that does not mean that you shouldn't make trades yep. and try and get prospects and try and do the best that, that you can. But please, because if they win the next three, which they should, they yeah. should win seven consecutive games, please do not allow yourself to believe that this is going to be a repeat of 2017 <laughs> when when Falvey made some deadline deals and the Twins said, we're going to show you, Derek Falvey. And they came... He, that was... A worse league, a yes. worse league. The American League was not as good. Now, now there are some awful teams now, really bad. But your playoff spots are locked up. Yeah, Boston and the Yankees are going. Cleveland, Cleveland should win the Central by at least twenty games. Uh, Houston's going as the American League West champion, and I believe that Seattle is going to be the second wild card. Please do not allow yourself to get sucked into the narrative that you're about to get from several people in this town and or. And or television networks that happen yeah. to show the twins mm-hmm. that you know last year the twins showed them and they might no 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 this is not the same team it's not as lovable a team the league is different and what you need to do is make as many trades you possibly can to accumulate as many parts for the future because 2018 and i hate to say this because it stinks for us yeah 2018 for the twins it's is over it feels over uh, 100% and my problem is it starts with a guy named Byron Buxton who I think everybody in this town treats with kid gloves, treats him like the kid brother they're afraid to criticize. Major disappointment had he been what we expected. I know injuries have been an issue, but maybe the guy just can't hit hit big league pitching. It starts with that. Uh, and I don't know why people are so afraid to criticize what we've seen from this guy who gave us one half of a season and all of a sudden he was Mickey Mantle, right? Now you got Sano and his problems coming in after hanging out and partying all offseason and thinking that he can be 30 pounds overweight and just be who he was. That, to me, is where the disappointment started with two guys who were supposed to be the building blocks and anchors of this team who aren't even on it right now, who aren't even contributing right now. Uh, and that's why I think I have such a problem with what this team has become so far. I think I can answer your question. On I, Buxton, yeah, I think I know why because I I actually am as guilty as the next guy of not going after Buxton that much. Yeah, Miguel Sano is his shield, hundred percent. Because Miguel Sano makes me so mad. Miguel Sano, when I watch his, because Miguel Sano has the ability, and for the most part, he has shown us he can do it. Yeah. He can, he was an all star last year. Yes, he, was he was in the damn game last year. Legit. Byron Buxton escapes criticism. Because Byron Buxton cares deeply, and he works very hard, yeah. and you might be right. He At the end of the day, to use a cliche, he might not be able to hit big league pitching. Miguel Sano can, and he allowed himself to get fat yeah. and happy and apathetic. And the fact that he had to go to Class A, he had to go to Class A not to work on, on his game, but for a weight loss plan. Yeah. Byron, the reason why people like me are not nearly as hard on Buxton as we might be is because Miguel Sano makes me so PO'd I can't see straight. And at least <laughs> at least I know that yeah. Byron Buxton works hard. That's well, why. And, and that might not be fair, but that's why. I get that 100%. And let's be fair. I mean, both guys, I think, deserve some criticism. And I understand completely the criticism against Sano and what he did. It's self-inflicted, right? For him, it seemed like, hey, if you would have just taken 
this offseason. Seriously, if you wouldn't have been so arrogant after an all-star season that you thought you could just show up and be the same player you were, uh, that's why people are disappointed in Snow, and I get it. But I'm watching Bryce Harper, and I'm watching Mike Trout, and I'm watching Manny Machado, and I'm watching all these young pieces around Major League Baseball who are living up to their potential. Harper maybe not as much this year and the struggles that he and the Nationals have had. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching all these young guns who I thought, Judd, a couple years ago, Buxton would be right there in that category. He'd be a 24-year-old that we'd be talking about as next in line to be a great player. Where is he? Show me when he's ever shown you any signs he that he'll be a great player other than one burst last year that made people go, wait a minute, he might have it. And then we saw the same problems that we've seen his entire career at the start of this season. People need to stop giving Buxton so much room because he was supposed to be a phenom and he is nowhere near that. And I believe I, I looked it up yesterday. I think he was hitting something like between 210 and 220 at Rochester oh, now. Gosh. And what do you do with that? And the one the one thing the one place where I have soured with, with this entire thing too is is the fact that uh, the twins decided to say, well, he didn't hit this year because of the toe. No, his hitting mechanics are goofed, yeah, they're goofed up. It's yes. not the toe. The toe the toe didn't help him. But no. but to blame his struggles on the toe, Byron Buxton is, I think we can confidently say without a shadow of a doubt, a mess at the plate. And we keep thinking it's getting fixed. And the second half, July 1st to the end of last year, took us down that path. But you're right, because the frustration is you do see guys who come up and they're successful. And it might take them, it might take them, they get called up, they struggle, they go back down, come up and successful. But Buxton is at the point now. And, and when it comes to Sano and Buxton, Myron, my point has been very, very simple. I don't care if I see him again in 2018. This has to be fixed for 2019. It has to be. Yeah. If it's if it's not, if Snow's going to continue to be a fatty who doesn't care and Buxton can't hit in 2019, yeah. now you're in a world of trouble. And it does it doesn't mean the Twins are sunk because they do have some nice, some decent prospects. But what it does mean is those two are setting up right now to be two of the biggest busts in Minnesota sports history. Yeah. As far as prospects go. I'm not talking I'm not talking twins history. Yeah. I'm talking Vikings, Wild, North Stars, Wolves go down the line of, of prospects in this town, two of the biggest busts in the history of this town. And that's a problem. And I agree with you hundred percent. I guess here's where I stand between the two. I feel like Sano is one serious offseason away from regaining what he had, capturing what he once had. Buxton never had it. So all these people say he works hard, he does. But if you're working hard and you've never proven that you actually have it. Maybe it'll never be there. At least we know as to know if he gets his mind right, he might give us what he had a year ago. There's been no proof or evidence that Buxton can consistently do that, even if he's healthy. And if Snow does come back in 2019 and is successful, I guess the question then gets to be, is does Buxton start to get dumped on like what you're talking about? Because I, think I do think... Well, I I know. I, I just think well, there's... I think we're so frustrated by by Miguel, who was an all star, yeah. that we sort of put because because Buxton is a nice kid, great but, guy. But if Snow comes up and and plays first base opening day 2019 and starts to deliver, yeah. I do think you are going to start to go down that path of oh my god, this guy who was the second overall pick in the draft and looked like he was going to be phenomenal, yeah, is a complete bust. No player is safe. I mean, look at what happened with Maurer, right? If a homegrown talent like that, no player is safe. But I think Buxton. There's also part of it that's like, hey, is this the next Kirby? Are we getting another guy who's going to be that likable star like that? That's why I think people are so soft on him, and I don't think it's helping him. Let's go to this. Ding, ding. Got him. A fastball. High fastball. 94 miles per hour. 
And he strikes out Bradley one away. Strikeout number six for Jose. I feel so happy, you know, so proud. Let's go, you had the opportunity to play in the, we a lot of good start, so like, you know, like me. And, you know, it's an honor for me. I feel proud for representing my, my organization, Minnesota Twin, and my family, Rico. so I'm so excited to, to be there in D.C. Jose Barrios, Myron Metcalf, is, is the Twins' lone all-star representative, which I think is fair to get one from a 39-48 and 48 team. But we fixed this problem before the show. We fixed no. the problem of Blake Snell of Tampa Bay got completely screwed. Blake Snell has, uh, let's see here, I wrote this down, 12-4 and four and a 2.09 ERA, no. and he is not on the All-Star team. We fixed the problem. Barrios comes off the All-Star team. Blake Snell goes on the All-Star team. Eddie Rosario, who got left off, goes on the All-Star team. Yep. Because, a very simple question for you. What is Michael Brantley oh, doing in the All-Star game? So if you put if you put Rosario in the outfield, take Brantley off, take Barrios, who's having a nice year, nice a year. nice year, yeah. off and put Blake Snell on, that fix that fixes your problem instantly. Solve the whole problem. But apparently someone felt like Brantley deserved a spot. I don't know if that's because Cleveland's at the top of a bad division. I just I just don't get it. I, I could understand the whole I guess approach to the All-Star, it's kind of convoluted. But the numbers say that Brantley doesn't deserve to be there. And there are so many guys I feel like who were left off. I felt like Rosario clearly deserved it. But how do you fix the system, Judd? Because you got the players have a vote. The fans have a vote. Uh, the commissioner's office comes in and has a vote. There's another fan vote now that where Rosario could get in. Yeah, it's just, final it's final. just yeah. too complicated, man. I think the fix is this. I've long said that the fan vote should be taken away, but it's not going to be, and I get that. So let's yeah. leave that. I think the fix is this. Why do players vote? Why do players ever, why do question. players in any sport get votes? They only pay attention to themselves yep. and, and maybe their own team. Why do players, why not have the commissioner's office? The commissioner's office would have made the fix that we just made in an instant, right? Yeah. Rosario deserves to go. Brantley does not deserve to go. Uh, Snell deserves to go in a huge way and got completely 100%. hosed. And Barrios is going to eventually go, but he doesn't have to go in 2018. Yep. But why do players uh, in football? I don't understand. Do you? Do you know? I mean, when players sit down to vote, they usually turn to their locker mate and say, "Have you seen this guy play?" Exactly. And Joey says, "I haven't seen him play." And he's like, "Well, then I'm going to vote for Tommy <laughs> Myron." So why do players get votes? It's it's silliness. They shouldn't. I mean, it's like coaches who vote for Coach of the Year in the NBA. Dwayne Casey won two Coach of the Year awards, and he got swept by the Cavs in the first round. They just couldn't, they couldn't stop giving him awards. I mean, it, it's to me ridiculous. And as you said, players, they look to their teammates. These guys have the same agents sometimes. You know, they're just these vested interests that they have in promoting some of their colleagues in baseball, and I don't think it's fair. I'm not saying... Major League Baseball 100% would cure the problem or even fan votes, but I think players, you got to get them out of there. And we also got to find a way, in my opinion, in the analytics era to add more numbers. To, to And I don't know how you do it, but make like the how? raw numbers a component of this. You know, kind of like go back to the BCS voting and there was sort of a computer model. I would love to see some sort of computer-based stat model where a guy like Rosario, if you look at just the numbers, is already in a certain pool of players, and then you vote from there. Because that should carry some weight alone, even if he's ignored by his peers. So I, I looked look this up today. Offensive wins above replacement, okay? Rosario is at 3.0. Shin Su Chu of Texas, who's going, is at 3.2. 
There's one, two, three, four other reserves picked no. above Rosario. None of them have the offensive war that Rosario does. So if you're right, I just I I will never understand why leagues turn to players to vote on things. Yeah. Players don't care. Yeah. The big the biggest joke vote of all time. Every every year, NFL uh, Network does the whole thing, ranking the top 100 players, yeah, and it. we're going to reveal today 100 to 80. That's based on players' votes. I have seen the balloting process at work there. It is comical. Guys jump. throw their ballots away, and if they do vote, it takes them about 20 seconds, <laughs> and they vote for guys who are their buddies or that, oh, man, I played against this guy once, yep. and he was great. And then And then they come on the show and say, you know, this guy's at number 10. This is a, a travesty. <laughs> well, if I didn't like him, I didn't vote for him. Yeah. So take it away. It's very simple. I'm with you. The Reds got three all stars, by the way. Explain that. Uh, I can't. Yeah, exactly. I can't. Let's uh, take a break, come back, uh, talk more all star games. Also, we're, we're going to get to uh, the top five sports stories that the two of us have covered during our uh, time in journalism. All of that set to come on Mackie and Judd, which today is Zolgad and Myron Metcalf. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Attention. Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. We got the vote with Rosie. Uh, you know, I hope people respond. Um, we're going to do whatever we can to, to do our part to, to see him get a nod. I think he's played like an all-star. And, uh, you know, as much as uh, you know, Esco 51 extra base hits, a lot of things that are really impressive about his first half. You know, to pick one of those guys over the other is tough to do as far as what they've contributed to our team. But um, I know our crew here, Dustin, our staff, we're going to do everything we can to try to get Rosie in that game. Mahler talking there about uh, the selection of Burrios to the All Star game and obviously Rosario being left off. This is something else, too, about the whole voting thing that drives me crazy. And I, I know it's for fun now, and I know it doesn't count for home field in the World Series. So, But this whole thing of, you know, the fans in Atlanta or Cincinnati got out yeah. and did a great job. They did a great job of getting their guy. Is that really what this system's supposed to be about? Like, you get somebody who sits in their, in their basement and mashes <laughs> their computer or, or finds a program to yeah. run and votes and votes and votes. And is that really what the system we're, we're supposed to base the all-star game on? Hey, you know, you know, Ted and Cincinnati did a hell of a job <laughs> yeah. of getting three guys in. It shouldn't be about that. Like I said, it, the Reds got three. So that kind of ruins the whole, you know, you're a team that underperforms, you're a disappointment and you don't deserve multiple all-stars. Well, the Reds stink and they got three. Just none of it makes sense. To me, and I'm a guy who grew up in Milwaukee with the Brewers, so I'm definitely partial to small market teams not being overlooked. If you had a bad small market team, the one thing you had was maybe we'll get an all-star. And if we got an all-star, I at least would feel like as bad as our season is, we got a guy who can dance with the big boys, right? We got a guy on that field who's playing with the best of the best. And I think that is something that I've always uh, – enjoyed and always hoped for at the same time you look at the system as it is now and everyone being represented in sort of this blue ribbon deal that doesn't feel right i don't know what's right though like i don't know and i'm not saying you need a perfect system but what makes sense i think you can get closer to being right by by the res, all the reserves and pitchers being picked by by the commissioner's office eliminate the player vote 
I think you, you can get closer to being right, and I've said this for a long time, by saying every team does not have to have a representative. The Pirates this year, I don't think, should have a player. Now, the Reds yeah. probably should have at least one. So I'm not. I'm on the flip side, not trying to say that, that just if you if your team is having a terrible year, that that automatically means that your team does not get a rep. But I think if you went to a system that said, in fairness, if you're just a bad team, perfect example, the '99 Twins. Yeah, Ron Coomer. God bless him. Yeah, Ron Coomer is a great human being. Ron Coomer was a nice baseball player. The '99 Twins did not have a player who should have been picked. True. Um, what what was the year that the Royals sent a former Twins pitcher to the, the All Star game, and they were god awful, and they had to pick somebody, yeah. so they picked him. The point being is, you're right, you're never going to get it perfect, but Myron, I think you stand a lot better chance of landing on fair by tweaking two or three things. Yeah, and I'm start the process now because I think it's not like we got to go look back years and years. Look at just this crew we have here. To me, the, the Rosario selection, I guess if you're, a, if you're in New York or Boston or LA, you don't care. Like, you don't care that he's been left off, no. right? And that's part of the issue is the big markets hold so much weight. But I will say if you care about just the game itself and the numbers themselves, you look at a Brantley, you can't tell me that he's more deserving. Like, there, there's no metric out there that will convince you that he's more deserving than Rosario. And that's my problem is, Forget all of the, okay, we got the fan vote. We have stars we know will be in there. When it comes to these, I guess they're neck and neck. Just go to the numbers. Like, get away from the, he's a good guy, bad guy. He plays for a bad team, good team. Just go to the numbers, and that will tell you the story. Mm -hmm. And that is my problem is, and I don't know what the system is, but when you get to that point, especially with these reserves, that's what I want to see. Give me the guys who earned it. Give me the guys sure, who yes. deserve to be there. Makes perfect sense. Right? Um, but I don't know how you achieve it, but I want to see it. I think you're closer, though. Yeah. I, I think if you go to what you're talking about, it's closer. Yeah. And and this also comes back to, I, I'm guessing, of old guard baseball, new guard baseball, yes. right? Because the old, the old guard hears what you just said, and they grab their heads, and they go and take eight Tylenol and think, <laughs> Myron Metcalf <laughs> wants to ruin our game even more. Myron Metcalf <laughs> is trying to destroy yeah. these These analytics people are ruining our game. Yep. But, yeah, it, it's there's there's a way to get this much closer just to being fair. And that's That's it. the word. And, and, and by the way, my solution leaves you still with one twin. It eliminates Barrios yep. and puts on Rosario. Yep. So I'm not I'm not sitting here as a hometown guy saying, well, the Twins should have had uh, two or three guys. If they were good, they would have. But my solution and and what we've discussed, it takes a twin out who eventually is going to make it. He's, he's a very nice pitcher, and it puts the guy who deserves it in, and it's not that hard. Yeah. And it takes a, it takes one Cleveland player out, and I guarantee you, nobody for the most part is going to to, to care. Do you think that fans? How necessary do you think it is to, uh, in 2018, that every team has a rep on the all-star team? Because I, I can tell you, maybe as a kid, I'd be excited by a twin, but it does not. My The dependency of if I'm going to sit down on July 17th and watch this game has nothing to do with, with the existence of Brios on this team to me. Yeah, I mean, I think you make the point. It feels like an age thing for me. 10-year-old me, 11-year-old me who, who watched... Uh, Gary Sheffield and Greg Vaughn and Robin Yount and Myler and all these guys. Gary kinda, Sheffield with a back Oh, uh, man. Riley Fingers with all these guys with a Brewers team that, 
never got to the big dance and you always dreamed of, of them advancing and winning a ring. An all-star appearance was everything. It was, like I said earlier, my guy can play with your best guys. Like We're not winning. Fine. You, you have that. But we've got someone who can play at the top level of this game, and there's a certain satisfaction you get with that. However, in 2018, I'm, I'm against the blue ribbon concept and saying everybody deserves uh, an all-star. I don't think you have to appease every market like that. I don't think, and we talked about this off-air, that people are going to watch the all-star game or not watch the all-star game based on that system. Does anybody care if the Pirates have an all-star? Is that going to change TV ratings? Does anyone care if the Reds have three? I don't know that Pittsburgh cares. Well, that's the thing. It's not going to affect the moment and the event. I can understand... If you host the All Star Game, yes, always having okay. a representative. I agree with that completely. I'm, I'm there with should. that. Yes, and you should. I yes, okay. But, but every other one, I, we don't we don't need that. The flip side of it, Judd, is you look at this system with the Twins, and, and the right guy isn't going to the All Star Game. I think for the Twins, as, we, as we've discussed. So how do you stop these big markets from having so much control and power? Yeah, the Yankees are great now. The Red Sox are great, but even in years when they're not, fans they still have then. an advantage. Then fans can't vote. It, are you, I mean, is that the and way fans, to go? Uh, I, for a long time, thought it was, but I'm willing to concede now. The fan vote's fine. I don't like personally. I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah, I, I get the need. The last thing that baseball needs to do now is alienate more fans. True. Very so true. if you're baseball, the fan vote at least opens you up to say you're you know come on in and join now do i like the fact that people sit on their computers and vote do, do i like the fact that every team during their home game says all-star voting yeah. is underway and despite the fact that our second baseman's hitting 125 go ahead and vote for him i exactly. absolutely hate that but baseball does not need to go down the path of of alienating fans because the game's got so many problems that involve that already i, I can agree so, with that i just re- as an 80s and 90s kid, I remember being an all-star. It meant something. It carried a certain weight. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. I mean, it. if you were a Griffey, if Frank Ty- if you the were— The leagues mattered, Myron. Exactly. The leagues mattered. So for me, how many of these guys 20 years are we going to go, oh, he was an all-star. Brentley was an all-star. Oh, we're not. How, how much weight is that going to carry? But that's the problem. Like, the leagues don't matter anymore. But though. if you make the process so convoluted to the point where it— diminishes the value of what it means to be an all-star, shouldn't you take a look at that and go, we got an issue as a system? We got to take a look at that? Because no one's going to care about half these all-stars 20 years from now. I just think the fixes aren't that tough. I agree. Because baseball has baseball has so many problems now. Mm. I could see, not starting off with the all-star game, because it's still the best one. Yes. Because three of them, in my opinion, stink. Yes. Um, but... I also think it'd be very easy for the commissioner and those people to sit down and say, let's just sort of tweak this thing. Not overhaul it, but tweak it. And there's about two or three things that can be done instantly, and it's fixed. Yes. And it's not perfect, but it's better. You know, and and the fact that it doesn't decide home field now, amen. That was one of the stupidest things of all time. Uh, But I think... Yeah, oh yeah. Well... The mastermind of Milwaukee Brewers I'll tell you the story quickly there, though. The story quickly there is this. And I have a personal thing with Bud, so it's not... Okay. All-Star game in Milwaukee in 03. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. All-Star game in Milwaukee in 03. The year before, the year before, it mattered. Yeah. And I was covering the TV uh, sports beat for the Strip at the time. And so I went to Milwaukee, and I sat in uh, in, in the Fox trailer for that game. And I'll never forget, 
Bud's car comes in and goes below the stadium pregame, and Bud mm. is glowing like this yeah. is Bud's. Sounds like Bud. This is Bud. Bud is Bud is glowing. He's so proud, and then it all goes to hell. I mean, yeah. Tory makes the catch on Barry. <laughs> that's great, but the whole thing goes to hell, and it ends up and they don't have any pitching left. Yeah, and so they go talk to Bud, and I see they showed Bud, and Bud looks sort of ashen. Yeah. Well, then I see Bud's car drive up from the tunnel afterwards. <laughs> he's not ashen. He's ghostly. I mean, he's ghostly yeah. white. He yeah. is. This has been, been. This is a disaster. And and Bud was embarrassed as uh, the commissioner. Bud was embarrassed that the game was in Milwaukee and went that sideways. And Bud quickly decided, I'm going to fix this, and here's how. Yeah. And it was one of the most reactionary, knee-jerk, silly things of all time. Yeah. But but Fox was livid, and rightfully so. They should have been. Fox was the Fox that people. That was a disaster. The, the Fox people in that truck were the executives were absolutely livid, and they were they were trying to be as calm as possible while swearing more than <laughs> I've heard anyone swear. Yeah. And that's and that's why Bud reacted and went way he overcorrected it to a huge fault. Being a Milwaukee guy, like those opportunities, it's not just about your team; it's about your city. It's about showing off everything you have. I mean, Miller Park. It's to watch that train wreck play out. Yep, just sad. And Joe Torre's got nothing left. Nothing. No pitching left. And this was supposed to be. This was a crowning achievement for Bud. Yes. And Milwaukee. Yep. And blew it. it looked, and just it's like a tie game. It's a shootout. Go to a home run derby. <laughs> Messed up a lot of things in Milwaukee. I'm not surprised. All right, let's go back uh, and discuss uh, the top five sports stories that we have covered during the course of our very illustrious <clears throat> careers. <laughs> Mackie and Judd today is Zolgad and Myron Metcalf. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You know, it's it's just like his own reality show. Mackey and Judd. I love it. On 1500 ESPN. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackey and Judd. Today is Zolgad and uh, Metcalf. Myron, of course, uh, from ESPN. You've heard him quite a bit on the station. Does an outstanding job. And uh, Myron, we were um, co-workers at the Star Tribune back yes. in, in the day. You took me to a, uh, a boxing match, <laughs> yes. you reminded me. At Target Center. As, a, as an intern. That who, was huge. Who was that? Do you recall? Because it, it was local, uh, a decent-sized name at the time. I can see the guy. I can't. It's a local fighter who's had a bunch of, uh, he was kind of a mainstay for a long time. Vanda. Matt Vanda. Matt Vanda. Matt the pet Predator. That's right. Yeah. Vanda. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Matt Vanda was fighting in that. Um, and uh, yeah, you took me. And listen, I was in Mankato, went to Mankato, Minnesota State Mankato. Yep. And yeah, I covered Vikings training camp down there. So when I would see you and, and Chip and all these other guys, I was in heaven, man. I was like, hey, these guys are the stars. So here I am. Uh, I don't know if we with, were the stars. Here I am with we a, a, a star, you know, that I definitely looked up to uh, coming up. So. So are are you going to miss Mankato? Are you going to miss the Vikings <laughs> experience? Now I know that 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 hasn't yeah. been par- a part of your assignment in recent years, but are you going to miss the experience of of the Vikings being one of the few teams left, I believe, yeah. that still actually relocated for their entire training camp? Definitely, I, I hate it. I, I hate to see it. I hate it for those businesses. I hate it for how organic it was to be down there. And Randy Moss is going into Gage dorms. You know, to to watch them all move in, just all of the elements. I remember when Dante Culpepper, they had some film room on campus, and he parked his Escalade behind, like, four cars, parked them all in. You know, like, no one could get out because Dante Culpepper literally just went to the parking lot, 
dropped off his car. He got out, and people are looking at him like, dude, that's not a spot. And he just kept walking. He didn't care. <laughs> he was down to Culpepper, and no one could get out of the parking lot because Culpepper's Escalade was blocking everybody. I saw that car, too. It was Th- That ridiculous. Escalade was impressive. <laughs> yes, yes. I, think, I think she had a TV or two <laughs> yeah, she in had it as couple. well. She had a couple. Wow. All right, so... Uh, during the course of your career, I thought of this actually last night, uh, I believe, between beers two and three. <laughs> I thought to myself, you know what? I want to hear Myron's top five stories so th- or stories that you have covered. So this includes time at the Star Tribune, obviously. This includes ESPN. Yeah. But your give me from five to one your list of stories that, that have most impacted your career. And then, as Dave said, too, Let's add the two stories that we each would have loved to have covered but didn't get a chance to. Gotcha. So so let's start with number five on your list for stories that impacted you the most or that stay with that at least stay with you the most. I'll go more national to local. Sure. Five for me is, you know, I flew down to Louisville and Rick Bettino got fired. Uh I, I got a I got one of those from ESPN and you hate when this happens, but I got one of those uh first flight out uh calls, you know. When do you want me to leave tomorrow? No, 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 today. Uh, so I hopped on a plane, went to Louisville after Rick Pitino got fired in the middle of this FBI investigation. And I mean, Rick Pitino has been in the game for 30 plus years. I mean, this is a guy who was big when he left Kentucky to coach the Celtics. And here he is at Louisville in the middle of this pay for play scheme, one that could change college basketball and really change college sports. Uh, it, it was amazing to be there and to watch a legend fall. Mm-hmm. And then to be in a community that had worshipped him, trying to make excuses for kind of what happened. And he was defiant. He was and defiant. Is, that correct. He was defiant that he had nothing to do with this alleged hundred thousand dollar payment to this kid that was a big part of this FBI investigation. Uh, he definitely had some loyalists. I went down to a meeting and the Papa John's guy, uh, the owner, he's a big Louisville booster. Yeah. So he's got a security detail. He's got like a Secret Service detail. He's got. Guys who are standing in like the lawn in front of the building, like with earpieces and stuff, and they're like looking around. Wait, the pizza guy or, the, or the pizza guy? <laughs> the so pe- Papa John, Papa John, the guy who, yeah, Papa John has a security detail. So, so he has got a security <laughs> detail. Is Peyton there? <laughs> Peyton could have been right. He's got a security detail that like walks with him everywhere, and like you don't know who these guys are, just guys with earpiece, and all of a sudden. Papa John walks in to this board of trustees meeting with his security detail. It was just surreal just to watch the building blocks fall of a guy who you would think Rick Pitino, father of Richard Pitino, just would always be sort of this God in coaching, if you will. Sure. And his legacy now is stained by all of this. Okay, the Papa John story is fantastic. It's real. I I see the guy. You had to have... At least started laughing. Well, I didn't know who he was at first. I didn't know who he was at first because he's just standing outside with, they're standing outside with earpieces, him and another guy. And, and you don't ever see anything like that. <laughs> no, you don't. And then they walk in. It was, it was almost like he was, they were like these two wrestlers and he was their manager or something like, you know, like, <laughs> and they like walk into the board of trustees meeting 10 minutes late, by the way. And they like crash the doors open. Like the meeting's starting and they like oh. burst through the doors. And emerges and out emerges this uh, Papa John dude. If you're pizza delivery guy, you can't be late. 
You can't, Otherwise, well, that's free. Exactly. When he drives up, do they have the Papa John's thing hey, on top of the car? The stadium named after him. <laughs> when you got a billion dollars, you can show up whenever you want. Because that is your meeting. But that's right. I forgot about he that. He had security detail with him at a board of trustees meeting. All right, number four on your list. Number, I love that one. Number four, and I hate to put this on the list because is it most significant? No, but last summer I was in Las Vegas when LeVar Ball, everyone's talked about LeVar Ball, kind of emerged. Yeah. Uh, and I covered a game where it was his son's team and his team playing Zion Williamson's team, a guy who's at Duke who's like this superstar athlete. It's going to be, should be really good for Duke this year. So it reached capacity. Now, Andrew Wiggins is at that game. A bunch of NBA guys are at that game. All of a sudden, Judd, these Las Vegas police officers rush into the gym and they're like, I hear this one guy go, shut it all down, right? So apparently the gym had reached capacity. I mean, there were people everywhere. People were up against the doors trying to get in. This officer says, shut it all down. And these guys just start closing doors, blocking off exits. Coaches, Division One coaches who are trying to get into the gym are blocked from coming in. At one point, I saw a coach go show up his credential, and he's like, hey, but I'm a coach. This officer was like, we don't care. It's over capacity. Here's the most surreal thing that happens. LeBron James pulls up outside. LeBron James is in Las <laughs> Vegas working out. LeBron James is in the parking lot as this thing is being shut down. Mm-hmm. LeBron James wants to get out and watch LeVar Ball's kid, LaMelo Ball, who's a big deal in Zion Williamson. LeVar Ball, LeBron James is told, no, you cannot come into the building. Because if you try to come into this building that is already threatening fire codes, you will ruin everything. So LeBron James has to make a U-turn in this parking lot and leave because the place was over capacity. Craziest scene I've ever seen. They were going to shut the gym down. The fire marshal was there. They actually played the game, but that was sort of the beginning of whatever you want to call LeVar Ball. I don't know how we describe it, but it was the most surreal scene I have ever been a part of. And for LeBron to be rejected, essentially, and told, hey, turn around, you can't be here, it was uh, fascinating. LeBron has to have never been rejected to get into something in his entire life until that day, too. He was told, and I get it. He was basically told, if you come in here, we will never. Oh, it'd be nuts. It just won't work. And we'll have to shut the whole thing down. Wow. All right. Number three. Number three, Kirby Puckett's death. I was an intern, I believe. uh, And I got sent to walk over to the Metrodome where they had a, you know, they were putting flowers and cards. So, you know, here I am, a 21 year old kid or something like that. And just there interviewing people as they come and they lay down flowers and cards. And uh, it, I love Kirby Puckett growing up, admired him, hated, obviously, to see his death. But I think to be there and to feel like you were almost a part of history mm-hmm. uh, as fans are coming. I mean, people are people are balling. Yeah. I mean, people are balling in front of the Metrodome just over who he was to them. Uh, that was a remarkable moment for me personally. That was, And that was such a sad, sad thing. Very sad. Too. But I remember th- thinking to myself, that place is going to be packed. It, and I crazy. think they had a nice crowd, correct? It was, it was, it was wild. And it just, it was so organic. It just started filling up, you know? And it wasn't like anyone directed people there. It just started filling right. up. And here I am talking to people. So that was, that was a moment for me in my career. Number two on your list? Number two, the Jerry Kill seizure, I would say. The first one. The first one against New Mexico State. I was there for that game. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. I had no idea what was up. I remember being in the press box, all of us. Yep. And I've never heard a quiet press box my whole life. I've never heard a quiet stadium. Definitely never heard Especially a quiet. Especially if Sid's there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm and, not joking. And that is legitimately a press box that went silent, and the crowd went silent. 
I don't know if people remember that. It wasn't just yes. the entire crowd went silent yep. to the point where you could hear people crying in the stands. I've never been a part of anything like that. I just remember Dennis Bracken, my editor at the time, my assignment was to write a story about the New Mexico State coach. And I'm walking over to their press conference. I get a call from Bracken who says, turn around, kid. <laughs> and I go turn around. Yep. Hey, we got to do everything we can to cover whatever is going on with Jerry Kill. And it was just a really surreal Sad scene. Did we know going into that game about no. his seizure issues? Because I, I thought, my God, he just dropped dead. I think we thought and we were watching him I, die. I think that's why it got so quiet. Yeah, we didn't know. We had no clue. Nobody knew anything. It was very, very, very scary. Okay, uh, top five stories that you have covered. Let's come back with the uh, top one on on your list, Myron, and also the two that you most wish you could have covered. Mackie and Judd today is Olgad and Myron Metcalf. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. No! no. Now I need it now. Yes, I can't wait. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is where the magic starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime. On 1500 ESPN. Do you have hot sports takes? Aren't afraid to share your opinions on the local sports teams? Or maybe you want your own show on 1500 ESPN. If you answered yes to all of that, 1500 ESPN's Sportscaster Idol is for you. We are holding a competition to find our next host with the winner receiving their own show for a full year. Start working on your edition. Entries will start being accepted next Monday, July 16th. Keep your eyes on 1500ESPN.com for all the details as they roll out soon. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd is Zolgad and Myron Metcalf of ESPN today. Myron, reset uh, the top five stories that you have covered in your career. Reset five through two for me. And then what is the top one? Uh, number five, Rick Pitino and the Papa John's guy having a security, security secret service uh, detail. Uh, LeVar Ball and the crazy tournament in Vegas and LeBron James being rejected, being told to turn around. Number three, Kirby Puckett's death and covering uh, sort of the memorial, I guess, people had set up, fans had set up outside the Metrodome. Number two was the Jerry Kill seizure, who we both said we were there. Yep. No one knew anything about his history or uh, health concerns. Number one is it's it's both national and it's kind of local for me. Uh, Tyus Jones is is a guy who I wrote a story at the Strib about the best eighth grader in Minnesota, uh, and I got a call from some people after I wrote that story, and they said you got the wrong guy. I'm like, hey, man, I got the wrong guy. Like, listen, there's a kid at Apple Valley named. Tyus Jones. So, I mean, I got a chance to go see Tyus when he was in eighth grade and just watch him build up, build up to this Duke recruit. I remember when Coach K comes to uh, Edina at a gym there in a big SUV with his entire (laughs) crew. Like, you know, when when Coach K wants you, he shows up with everybody. So the entire Duke staff gets out of this gigantic Suburban. They pull up, walk in, and Coach K just posts up. On the court, I right then and there, I'm like, yeah, Tyus is going to Duke because uh, he's not going to reject this attention from a Coach K. So to go from that point, you know, watching him win state titles here to being courtside as he is the most outstanding player in the Final Four yeah. in 2015 sure. with his family sitting directly behind me, it was just one of those moments where like you can't make it up. You know, I got his his mom who I know and everybody's sitting behind me. I'm watching this kid that I saw in eighth grade lead Duke to a national championship uh, and and put on a performance for the ages, and they win. 
And then after that, he goes pro. I go to his NBA draft party, and Flip Saunders comes over after he's drafted. And they're that was talking. At the, the bar right by Target Center, Yeah, 508. Right? Yeah. The basement of 508. Yeah. You know, so, so for me, Tyus Jones has been connected to really a lot of my success in terms of as he's grown and I've been able to cover him over time. Sure. Uh, I've been able to kind of track his progress and been there most of the steps so along your, the way. Your story for the strip about the eighth grade kid originally was not Tyus. It was not Tyus. It was another guy. I, I got a call after I wrote that saying so you wrote you about the, the wrong, wrong kid. Interesting. And that's how I found Tyus Jones. And so the the first time I saw Tyus Jones, and there's footage because I talked to, I believe, some guys at Channel 9 who have it. First time I go see Tyus Jones at Apple Valley, there's a contest at halftime, make a layup, a free throw, a three-pointer, a half-court shot, win a pizza or something like that. This kid runs onto the court. He's four foot seven. No joke. I'm like, why are they doing this to this kid? This is embarrassing. It's unfair. The kid makes the layup. He's got 30 seconds. Oh, great. Yeah, great. The kid makes the free throw. Okay, cool. The kid heaves up the three-pointer. Makes it, folks. This is no joke. Half court, I'm like, this stops here. It's going to get 10 feet short of the basket. The kid throws it. Makes it. Whoa. I kid you not. Who was that kid? Trey Jones. <laughs> Tyus Jones' younger brother, who's now on his way to Duke. Like, I'm like, what kind of Marvel Avengers family is this? <laughs> where, where the fourth grader can make all these shots. Oh, that's so so for me, it, you know, it, it's the Tyus Jones story, I would say, for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've been able to watch every step, and I'm just, I'm proud, really, to see everything he's done. Great family, and it's pretty amazing. All right, top two stories you didn't get to cover that you most would have liked to. It, they revolve around the same guy, and his name is Brett Favre. The chase, the day when he joins the Vikings in 09. It was something. When everyone is chasing that story, the and there's helicopters. Helicopter. That was from Channel 5. Channel 5 helicopter. Yep. That was, and, and I tell people who weren't here, Judd, and you were there, you cannot imagine what that was like that day. I remember being in the newsroom, and every single TV had it on. And people are just scrambling to figure out what is happening and how do we cover it. I mean, was there anything bigger for you than than that? I mean, that's got to be up there, I would think. Yeah, that's up there. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was as if the Beatles were reincarnated and coming here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's was, sort of what it was like. I mean, we don't do helicopter. No. We don't do helicopter chases in this town. We no. just don't. Yeah. Like, we don't follow cars around. Yeah. So, yes, that was uh, that day was surreal, to say the the least. It was really bizarre. And it was it was a step before social media got crazy. Yes. Like I think Twitter had been invented by then, but it wasn't... I joined Twitter in 09, so yeah, it was invented it was, by then, but I don't think I was on Twitter at that time. It wasn't like you turned... on yet. Like, you didn't turn to Twitter right. to get news the way you do today. So right. that was a big... I would have loved to be there. And then the NFC Championship game. I mean, for me, I mean, I would have done anything. Strip could have told me that you don't even have a seat. You gotta stand outside the stadium you got to listen on the radio. I would have done it because that, to me, was just a remarkable moment. And growing up a Packers fan, yeah. hearing from the betrayal from people back home and oh. how they felt, imagine if he'd won the I, Super Bowl. I could give you I could give you from 2009 a top 10 list of, of things because when Brett Favre took the field in Lambeau, yeah. I have never felt a stadium feel... I mean, I, I was in 87 at, at games, 7 for the Twins, yeah. 91, same thing. But I've never been in an outdoor stadium that felt like it was going to take off. And when Brett Favre came out of that tunnel and that and the booze, I can't even 
describe it didn't even sound like booze yeah. because it was it was so it was so much yeah it didn't sound like a normal boo but it felt like the stadium was going to take off on a runway it was the damnedest thing people i know diehards it was hatred i mean a lot of people may think it was just upset angry it was beyond that with Brett Favre it was a level of Temporary hatred, I'll say, because I think a lot of people got over it. Well, he was very good. He was, in, in typical Brett fashion, he repaired that yes. really well. But that's what he can do. He can do that. But he, but the hatred was so interesting because he was so filled with hate for Ted yep. Thompson. Yep. And the fans, the fans didn't know what to think. And I think when he went to the Jets, they're like, okay, that's fine. But when he went to the Vikings, they, Betrayal. they couldn't take it. If he wins the and that's Super- exactly what he wanted, of course. If he wins the Super Bowl, Judd, they would have to retire. Some they would have to honor him somehow, right? The Vikings, the Vikings. Oh, if he won the Super Bowl here, I, I after 2010, I say number four is retired, and no one's ever going to wear it again. And I'm dead serious. And he could never go back to Green Bay and get the same honor. Like he could, like Green Bay wouldn't no. have honored him. It wouldn't be the same. Or they would have had to wait a longer the, period. The fact that he flamed out, the fact that his last pass as a Packer. And his last pass of 2009, at least in in that game, uh, were both stupid picks. Yeah, I think helped in the recovery of Packer fans a lot. Yeah. So yeah, if he goes to Super Bowl and they beat the Colts, it'd be very interesting because he would have attempted to repair that with the Packers and their fans. I don't know if they'd be as willing to accept it as that they were quickly uh, because he didn't have the ultimate success here. Yeah, I don't think he don't could have. I don't think he could have repaired. Waylon joins us next. We talk uh, links and much more when it comes to uh, basketball. After this, Mackie and Judd today. Zolgan and Myron Metcalf. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. You know what they need? Tweaks. 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 On 1500 ESPN.